0: Alright. Good morning, Reach Church. Alright. So if kids want ahead to, to Reach Kids, they can do that. Alright. Alright, so we are we are in between series at the moment. We just finished our series on the church. Where we saw the, the blessing that Jesus has bestowed upon us in giving us one another and giving us the church, the body, the bride, the army. The building, the temple, all of these pictures of, of us brought together, united as one body. But we're done with that. So now we are, we are in the midst of, uh, I, can, I can do whatever I want now. So uh, <laughs> that may be a good thing or a bad thing. We'll see. Uh, now, last week we talked about the body. And we talked about how uh, we have different roles in the body. Uh, I was once accused of being the white blood cell in the body. Uh, which I think is good. I think that's, that's relatively good sometimes. Um, <laughs> we're being a white blood cell today. So, uh, so today we're talking about something like a, a problem I've seen in the church, in our theology, that just needs to be corrected. And not rebuked, but corrected so that we can be kind of fruitful in our following of Jesus. And so we might enjoy the joy that we have in the cross so that we might kind of run more passionately towards Jesus. Now, uh, before we start, one uh, one small caveat. One, one, just this is not directed at one of you. This is directed at everyone, uh, my heart included. Uh, some of you have even rebuked me on the same issue, and I've, I've struggled with it. So uh, this is good stuff for all of us. But the problem, the problem, is being passive in the Christian life. Being passive in the Christian life. Passivity. Now. Is that problem? Is the problem not because? Not because. Uh, and I'm not rebuking the people who say like who look at their lives and say like, you know what? Yeah, I should be doing more. I should be doing more. I I, I, ex- I, assume that everyone is looking at their lives and saying that. I know I'm looking at my life and saying that like, you know, I I know that there's more that I could do. I can pursue Christ more faithfully. All right. To to those people, I say like, yeah, keep pursuing Jesus love him, enjoy him, run after him. All right, but this is not the sermon that, that's focused towards you. All right, this is passivity in a different sense, in a different sense, where we, we say things like, you know what? I know, that, I know that I'm supposed to read my Bible and I know I'm supposed to like, pursue Jesus, but I don't really feel like it right now. And I think that's a good thing. I think God will meet me and I'm not really called to do anything more. Or where we say things like, you know what, I, I feel like I'm supposed to pray, but I don't have a desire for, to pray, so I'm never going to pray until God kind of, he'll, he'll come to me, he'll give me that desire. And we never pray again. <laughs> All right, it, it's, that kind of, it's that kind of passivity where we think that the Christian life means that because God is working, that we are called to just sit and wait. Now, that's, that's not the gospel. That's actually not nothing but Jesus. That Nothing but Jesus, we, we fight to believe it. And we fight to understand it. And we fight to, to shape our lives to believe that Jesus Christ has done what he's done. And it's a fight to do that. We don't say, okay, being passive in the Christian life, like, oh, you're just being patient, you're just letting the Lord do his work, like, no, there's a place where we can actually cut ourselves off from the work that Christ wants to do in us because we, we refuse to connect ourselves to things like his word, to the community, to himself in prayer, to praise and to worship, the things that are going to sustain our hearts. Because so those are the things we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to see kind of three things here. We're going to see why we tend to fall into kind of this kind of passive understanding of the Christian life. We're going to see the danger of that passivity. And finally, we're going to see what, what real Christian activity looks like. We can mess this up the other way and become far too active in a bad way. So we want to understand okay, what does it look like to, to pursue living under the grace of, of Christ and living under the cross and seeing these truths as truths? So, with that in mind, uh, we are going to look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Now, we'll read the the whole thing eventually. Uh, I'm just going to start with the first five verses here of Psalm 103. Now, it's on the screen. or You can read it with me. Psalm 103. This is a Psalm of David. "'Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits.'" who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Again, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let's pray. Father, We thank you that you have absolutely done work that we cannot. You have saved us in Jesus. That you have covered over our iniquity. That you have forgiven us. That you have healed us. That you have redeemed us. Father, we ask that we we would shape our souls to believe those things. And that we would speak to our souls and that we would fight to believe the gospel. Father, we ask that you would Help us see the beauty of Christ here and now. And Father, would you send us out excited to live under the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that is in Jesus? Would we work not to save ourselves, but to believe that Jesus Christ has really done enough to save us, that he has done it all? We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. So why do we fall into this trap? Why do we fall into this trap? I'd say it's three things. Three things here. First, we want to avoid being legalistic. Second, we want to avoid being fake. We want to avoid being kind of usurpers of God's role. Now, we're going to talk about all those. So first, legalistic. We think that we want to be passive in the Christian life because to do things would inherently make us legalistic. Now, what's a legalist? What is a legalist? A legalist is someone who, who follows the law. Legal, we're seeing the connection there. Who follows the law and says, okay, I'm going to work my way to heaven. That if I try hard enough and if I'm good enough, then I can, I can please God, he'll accept me. That is the legalist. And now, obviously, the legalist is working. They're working really, really hard. And according to the gospel here, the legalist is actually condemning themselves because they will never work hard enough and they will never do enough to please God. The the demands of God are too high that the legalist cannot save themselves. And so in that sense, we say, yes, the Christian life is passive. The Christian life is absolutely passive. You do not save yourself. Jesus Christ saved you. that he died for your sins. Now, you can die for your own sins, but you'll, you'll die forever. Or Jesus can die for them. Now, you can try to earn your own righteousness, and you will not get there, or you can receive the righteousness that Jesus Christ has given you. His perfection. The perfection of Christ given to you as a gift. Now, your salvation is passive in that sense. But that does not mean that the whole Christian life is then passive. The legalist tries to save themselves. The person who is actually understands nothing but Jesus tries to understand that, yes, Jesus has done it all. It's the complete opposite, actually. It's fighting to believe that Jesus Christ has done it and to live under that fact. And that every single time you, you feel your guilt rise up or your shame or even your pride that you've done so much, you kill those things with the cross. And you remind yourself, no, I'm not saved that way. I'm not a legalist. I'm I'm fighting to believe the gospel. Now, there's no pride in that. That's not not a work and like, oh, you're just working really hard. But I think oftentimes that's how we treat it. That we see people doing that and we say, oh, no, stop, stop. Why are you trying so hard? Like, they're just trying to believe the gospel. And if we fight to believe the gospel, we actually will not become legalists. We will not be enslaved to the law. We will not then feel like we need to go out there and, and please God and earn his favor. We'll know we already have it. Now, one of, uh, one of my favorite people, he, uh, he's a counselor, recently passed away. Um, he talked about spiritual disciplines. And he, one time he talked about prayer. He said, you know what, I, I pray like I breathe. And at this point, we're all, we're all like kind of rolling our eyes like, okay, like, every time I breathe, I'm praying. You know, We're all like, okay, you win. Uh, and you're all like, yeah, he, he is amazing, so he probably does that. Uh, but then he went on to explain it. And he said, okay, I pray like I breathe in the sense that I have to breathe or else I die. He said, I, I pray, I pray or else I would die. I would die spiritually. That I desperately need like Jesus' grace every single moment. I need power, I need more than I can possibly muster up in myself. So I have to pray. I have to be connected to Jesus. All right, there's no pride there. He's not saying he's, he was amazing, like, oh, I'm just so good at praying. He's just saying, like, I desperately need Jesus all the time. And that's where we, like... The anti-legalist doesn't say they're getting any righteousness from any of this stuff. They're just saying, like, I need to hear the gospel every day because otherwise I forget. And I go back to trying to perform, or I just feel like I'm worthless because I'm not good enough. That's the person who needs to fight to believe the gospel and remind themselves and saturate themselves in it. That is a good work. That is not a legalistic work. All right, second, second oftentimes we're passive because we think that, that to do otherwise would be kind of being fake or inauthentic Christians. That to do things that are contrary to our emotions might make us hypocrites. All right, this doesn't come from the Bible. This more so comes from uh, our culture. And our culture says that like your emotions, your emotions are you. And so if you're, if you're looking, if you're wondering, like, oh, who am I? Like, what do I love? Like, your emotions will tell you. And this message is reinforced by things that say, like, you, you can't tell me how to feel. Or, like, what, I wrote them down because they're so silly. Um, <laughs> I can't help the way I feel. My feelings are, aren't wrong. They're looking at their heart, and they're saying, like, okay, heart, tell me who I am. Tell me what I love. Tell me what I believe. That their identity is found there. All right, the reality is that, no, you are in Christ if you are in Christ. You are a Christian, and that you have a love, and you have a faith, and you have a reason to praise that is not dependent upon your emotions. So much so that you can speak into them. Look at at verse 1. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. This is not... This is not a general like, whoa, well, what does that mean? That's him talking to his soul and saying, no, it's not soul, tell me what I, what I believe in, tell me what I love, tell me what I should worship. He's saying, no, you know what, soul, heart, I'm going to tell you what to worship and what to love and what to bless. Now, we think that maybe that's inauthentic, that's fake, that, oh, if you really believe this, you would, you would naturally want to praise. You would naturally want to read your Bible. Like, I think it's more authentic to say, you know what? I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to live like that. And I'm not going to be dependent upon my emotions. I'm actually going to, going to tell my whole self to follow Jesus and to love him and to live out of the reality of what Jesus has done. To have joy because Jesus has put it there in my heart and it should be there. To worship because Jesus deserves the worship that I that I want to offer him. Now, a word of, just, so we're all on the same page here. Uh, there are some who, whose emotions are, are messed up. All right, I'm thinking of people who are depressed, namely. And the reality of the depressed person is, they don't want to do anything. That when they're looking into their heart and they're saying, like, soul, what do, you, what do you feel? What do you want? Like, nothing. I don't want to do anything. Now, for those people, this is, this is kind of a, a painful message. Just say, like, speak to your heart. But throughout reality days, you have to keep speaking to your heart. And you can't be dependent on your emotions. You can't be dependent upon the, the spiritual high or the emotional high. And in that, uh, you are not condemned. I'm saying you're being more faithful. That you're more faithful in the ability to say, like, you know what, I'm going to praise even though I, I can't connect with it emotionally. I'm going to worship even though I don't feel like I should. I just know that Jesus deserves the worship because of what he's done. That's not inauthenticity. That's not faking it. That's, that's living like a Christian and being faithful. And please don't feel condemned if, if that's you. Keep fighting to, to live according to this truth. And shape, let's let's shape, let's shape our hearts. There are things out there. There are there are the songs that we sing, there are the truths of the word. There's the the word read and preached and poetry and prayer and journaling, like things that, that can draw our hearts back to Christ. We fight our very souls. Finally, finally, we tend to to think that we need to be passive in the Christian life because we say, well, no, God God needs to do it. That the Holy Spirit, he's the one who's supposed to change our hearts. He's the one who's supposed to change our souls. He's the one who unites us to Jesus. And if I then try, I'm taking Jesus, I'm taking the role of the Holy Spirit, I'm I'm stealing his role. I'm stepping on his toes. I'm getting out of my lane. He's supposed to do that work. All right. Good Presbyterians, the frozen chosen, we have have been accused of being, uh, it's for this kind of stuff. It's just bad theology. And we think we have great theology, but no, we, we can sometimes be crazy about this. The reality is that like, We are called to do things that without the Holy Spirit's power we'd not be able to do, but we're called to do them anyway. So evangelism. Do you have the power to save anyone? By your wise words, no. But the Holy Spirit tells you to go out there and he will use your very words. He has promised to do that. Now, do we have have the, the spiritual power in and of ourselves to read the Bible and understand it No, we don't. But we're told you are given the mind of Christ by the Spirit. And that suddenly, like, these weak vessels are able to get something out of this. All right, in that very same way, do you have any power to to change your heart or to move yourself towards Christ? No. But by the Holy Spirit, yes. That he empowers those things. He empowers even our, our sinful efforts, our weak efforts. So trust him to work. Trust him to work. This is, you're not stepping on the Holy Spirit's toes. You're trusting that the things he says he will do, he will do. And that the power that he has given you, you actually have and you will exercise. The Bible at no point says, like, well, no, just, just sit there and wait for the Holy Spirit to work. No, he says, like, it's commandment after commandment. says things like, fill yourself with the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. He promises to work through us. This is not contrary. This is, this is right in line what we're called to do. This is faithfulness. All right, so these, these three reasons, they're bad reasons. They're just, they're false. And they... They, on the one hand, can condemn us, and on the other hand, they can just keep us from enjoying Jesus, and keep us from moving forward, and keep us from being connected to the cross, which we desperately need. Amen? Yes. Amen. All right. Now, what's the danger here? What's the danger? What's the danger of this kind of spiritually passive passive life? Uh... The danger is not that you'll lose your salvation. You're, the danger is not that you'll fall from grace. No. What's the danger? The danger is just there'll be no joy in the Christian life because there are other, other voices out there that will steal it from you. And uh, there are other enemies out there who will veil the cross and make you forget about it. All right, first, the world. The world. The world out there is not a passive place. It is an active place. And you'll hear a thousand messages in a thousand different ways, a thousand different worldviews, a thousand different values, all in the span of a day. These are not passive. They're telling you what you should value, what you should love, how you should live. And if you are going out into the world and saying, like, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't really need to need to fill myself with the word. I don't don't need to pray. He'll kind of do that work. Like, If you're not active, the world will be. And it desperately wants to shape you and change you and rob you of the joy you have in Christ and tell you that you are not good enough, that you should not be content, that there's more and more and more to be had, and that that spiritual reality is just idiocy. That's why we fill ourselves up. All right, we have spiritual enemies. We talked about the army of God, that we are the army, that we, we support each other, that we fight this together, we put on our armor, because the armies out there, the spiritual enemies that we have, are just as, just as active as the world, if not more. They are active and they are unrelenting. And we don't just want to say, like, oh, like sheep to the slaughter, we just kind of lay down and like, God, help us, and no. We're told to put our armor on. We're told to, to put on the armor of Christ, the salvation and the righteousness that's in him, the faith, the spirit. Because otherwise, you'll be, you'll be fed lie after lie that you are not good enough, you are condemned, you are guilty, you should be ashamed of calling yourself a Christian that the cross isn't enough. Like, those, are, those are lies that are thrown at us every single day. We need the gospel to speak into those things and to silence those voices. Finally, finally probably the biggest enemy is our own hearts, our own souls. That our souls are, are foolish and wicked and deceitful. And what do they want to do? They want to love anything but Jesus. And they're always looking for for the next thing, the next love, the next thing that's going to please it. And you just silence your own heart. Look at at verse 2. Verse 2 here, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all its benefits. Because the reality is, your heart forgets its benefits. The soul forgets the benefits of Christ, the things that are done in Christ. And you need to be filled back up every single day with the reality of what Jesus has done. The benefits that are in Jesus. We fight for that stuff. Now the danger here is to say that, okay, you have all of these enemies who are actively trying to pull you away from the cross and rob you of your joy. And then you say, okay, you know what I should do? I should pick up and go into the desert. Where there's no food and no water, no no message, no body. And maybe then God will meet me there. Like, please don't do that. That is not the most wise way of 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 fighting this battle. Like, oh I'll just isolate, like, you know what in horror movies they always do that? Like, oh like my do you know what the best plan is? Like I'll go, I'll go all alone into the dark alley. And like, see if anyone's there. Like, and they die. All right, <laughs> like, that's just not the path to, to success here. What do you do? You surround yourself with the community. You you fill yourself with the Word. You remain in prayer. You you keep worshiping. You keep reminding yourself of these things. Don't cut yourself off from these resources. Don't cut yourself off from from Jesus pouring into your life and speaking. I feel silly having to say that, but like, that is sometimes how we, how we think about it. And we think we might even be bad to do otherwise. That's just not true. All right. So what does this look like? If it doesn't look like trying hard to save ourselves, what does it look like? Well, let's walk, let's walk through uh, Psalm 103. And he is a great example of someone who is fighting to believe the gospel of Jesus Psalm 103, and right, we start with, we start with speaking to our souls, and speaking to our souls and telling us, like, who, who God really is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who forgives every sin, who heals all your diseases, that is the promise when Jesus returns who redeems your life from the pit, who brings us up from the grave, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is who David understands God to be. Now, this is naturally not the God that we, th- we think of. We naturally think of the God who is wrathful and vengeful and scary and who has so many commandments and who we cannot please. Like, and that's who God is without Jesus. But in Jesus Christ, these things are true. He forgives all your iniquities. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He forgave us. He heals your diseases, first sin and then suffering when he returns. He redeems your life from the pit, that the resurrection life of Jesus is yours. And it cannot be taken from you. That he will restore us. And we're pushing those things into our soul, telling our soul to rejoice over those things. Because they are true and they are real. And they're found in nothing but Jesus. We didn't earn those things, we're given them in Jesus. And he goes on and talks about what God has done. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. All right, that is the gospel message. That is the truth of what is real in Christ. Whatever sin that you have have are hanging on to, like it is torn from you as far as from the east is from the west, you bear it no longer. It is totally forgiven. And what does it replace with? Steadfast love, the unrelenting love of God in Jesus Christ. That is where you stand. That is the perfection that you have in Jesus. He goes on, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. He says, okay, God God knows where we stand, he knows our weakness, he knows our failings, he knows our sin. Verse 17, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his, to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Now at this point, we're thinking. for a second, they're like, oh no, oh no, we have to keep our commandments to get all this. All right, we go to Jesus once again. All right, what is the new covenant? The new covenant says, what do you have to do to get all this? What does a keeper of this covenant do? They put their faith in Jesus. That he has done enough. That he has given us his righteousness. And now we are those children who have received this righteousness. Who have the steadfast love of the Lord from everlasting to everlasting. Push those things into your soul. Tell your soul to rejoice over them. This is reality. The world and evil in our hearts, like they are not reality. This is reality. Finally, bless the Lord, oh you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. After looking at all of this, All right, he's not just talking to his soul anymore. He is calling to the whole world and recognizing the reality that the whole world will one day see this as reality and worship him and praise, praise God for what he's done in Jesus Christ. Bless the Lord. Amen? Worship. Like, there's reason to worship. There's reason to have joy. Let's fight to believe this so that we're not enslaved to the world, so we're not enslaved to our sins, so we're not enslaved to the law and to, to trying harder. Let's fight to have the joy of this reality that is in nothing but Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Questions? Leah. Comment. Comment. Okay. And it was just let go and let God. Okay, right. And J.I. Packer rephrases it, trust God and get going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, so Lee is quoting J.I. Packer that to, instead of to let go and let God, to trust God, trust God and get, get going. going. Yeah, to like, yeah. to go move towards him and to trust that he's going to give you strength and he's going to sustain you that he's working in Christ. Yeah, this is the, the beauty of pursuing Jesus and enjoying the things to have him more fully. Thanks, Leah. Any other questions? Questions? Man, the first service hammered me, so this is good. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you for the realities that that you want us to fight to believe, the realities that we are redeemed, that we are saved, that you have crowned us with mercy and grace, that you have given us from everlasting to everlasting, your steadfast love. And Father, we are not so presumptuous to think that we have earned this or that we could earn this, but we thank you that it's in nothing but Jesus, that nothing but Jesus could call us truly righteous, and the children and... Father, we thank you for Jesus. We ask that we would not forget, that we would speak to our souls, that we would speak to one another, that we would use the things that you have given us to keep us joyfully connected to Jesus and the, the things that you have done. Father, thank you for forgiving our sins in Jesus. We pray that when we lack faith or for those of us who don't yet have faith in Christ that we would, we would cling to Jesus that we would trust in the cross to be all that is needed that we'd be perfectly righteous perfectly holy perfectly pure by the blood of Jesus give us that life and give us that joy we pray in Christ's name